just did that because I think that's more of the victim's problem. Yeah. If they've got into that situation where oh, they've yeah. been on the end of horse sodomy. Unless they were on, unless the horse was on the end, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, we don't know who was Batman and who was Robin. Yeah, well, that's true. Always, oh, oh, if, if the horse <laughs> has been arrested after being sodomized, now he's had a terrible. That's an <laughs> terrible awful. turn of events. Welcome to the Gaps in Knowledge podcast. I'm Reese, and I'm a geographer that knows nothing about history. And I'm Will. I'm a historian who knows nothing about geography. And we are on a quest to fill each other's gaps, gaps in, in knowledge. knowledge. All right. Hello, Will. How are you doing? I'm all right, Reese. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Do you have a good week? Uh, I had a week. You had a week. It's school. <laughs> yeah, school is hard work sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. coursework and exams at the moment, so yeah. I had a week. How about you? Yeah, not a problem. You must have a tough boss. <laughs> yeah, he's a real shit. <laughs> <laughs> you need to have a word of him, I think. <laughs> okay, so the idea is we're going to split this podcast into three sections, and the first one we're going to do is the misconception corner, so there are common misconceptions within our subjects, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that right? That is fair to say. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we can iron out some of those misconceptions between us and maybe to you listeners as well who might have this or these common misconceptions. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. I think it's only fair maybe we start with the history one because I think we started with the geography one last week. Okay. The last time. Sure, yeah. let's So I'm start happy there. to go with it, yeah. Okay, well, um, here's a sentence that you don't hear every day. Describe a Viking. Describe a Viking. Yeah. So I would say they have the, the helmet and the horns. No, stop. Oh, Already? Really? <laughs> Already? There he goes, straight into misconception corner. Oh, really? They don't it. have no. horns on Vikings, their helmets. That is literally my misconception for the week. Vikings didn't have horns on their helmets. Who, drew, who, decide, who decided then that they were going to put them on? Wagner. Who's Wagner? Richard Wagner, the opera composer from the 19th century. What a bastard. <laughs> yeah, well, he kind of Nazi stuff as well, so definitely in the bastard Oh, wow, corner. so he's more of a bastard for that, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Bastard Corner, <laughs> full of misconceptions. Yeah. No, he wasn't a Nazi, but his sister was, and um, the Nazis really liked Wagner, but not because of the horned helmets, but when they were putting on the, the uh, Rheingold, um, is it a quintet? I think it's a quintet of operas, five different operas. Uh, it's all about kind of Odin and... Um, kind of old Germanic mythology to do with the Rhine and so one of the set dressing things they thought was let's get Vikings and put horns on their helmets because it looks cool yeah they do they look cooler that's the thing and would they actually have a purpose is the thing yeah but it's kind of the opposite of the purpose of a helmet because if you're (laughs) think about it you're in a battle what do you not want people to be able to do grab your helmet and rip it off you and then stab you with it and then stab you with it what's a helmet good for grabbing ripping stabbing yeah if it's got horns on it you don't want to, You don't want that to happen. Not not at all. Okay. Absolutely not. No. I see, but they, they, but when kids draw them on paper, that's when kids draw them on paper for Vikings, and that's yeah. But Reese, you know fully as well as I do that kids are idiots. Oh, that is mostly true. That <laughs> yes, yeah. That is. They are. Very, they are stupid. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that's a misconception. Okay. So, um, yeah, it was a 19th century thing. They may have worn cool things like big deer antlers on their heads. And dear listeners, I'm doing now deer antlers coming out of my heads. Um, for religious ceremonies and things like that but we haven't found any we found one viking helmet and it was just like a little metal cap essentially i see so there's only one viking helmet ever been discovered yeah yeah so everything what if 
that was the like the one where it was a manufacturing problem. That was just Greg's helmet, and he <laughs> yeah. didn't want horns. Everyone else wanted horns. Everyone else wanted horns. So <laughs> what happens if they did have horns? Well, maybe they did, but we've got no proof for it. It's like, what if they all rode bicycles? Uh, maybe they true. did, but we've got no proof for it. Not in the fjords, though. That's a so, nightmare to drive. <laughs> that is. It'd be very fit. Good yeah. legs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's cool. I did not know that. So yeah, I fell yeah. straight into your trap. You did. Yeah. You did. That wasn't even difficult. That wasn't hard. So might, okay. I can go with my one now. Mine is not necessarily. A, a, I'm not going to trick you into. You're not going to make gonna me st- look like a melt. No. But hopefully. I, I, although I've got. <laughs> Speaking of melting. Okay. Smooth. Yeah. Deserts are hot. Are they? Well, that's the thing. Hmm. How would you define a desert? So. Hot and dry, is what I'd say. Like you, you think Atacama, you think Sahara, you think Gobi, and these are all—they are legitimate deserts. Yeah. But the temperature has nothing to do with them mm-hmm. whatsoever. You mm-hmm. define a desert by its aridity, uh-huh. by how dry it is. Mm-hmm. So this is quite interesting because lots of people have a have a misconception. When we talk when we t- um, talk about Antarctica, that is a desert. It is a cold desert. It's not that dry, is it? No, but at some point there would have been some snowfall or uh, mm-hmm. a rainfall millions and millions of years ago. And because it's always cold down on the ah. South Pole, it's just frozen there and there's been no... Uh, and there's lots of wind in Antarctica, but not mm. enough to have any sort of weathering on the... So much mm. so that it's, it's broken... Like, I'm talking kilometres of ice thickness. Mm. You need to remember Antarctica is land-based, it's a continent, mm. whereas the Arctic is just an ocean. Mm which is why it's colder in Antarctica as well, because land has a, a higher range of, of temperature differences through night and day, whereas the, the sea has more of an equable climate, as they call it. Um, that's, uh, yeah, but yeah, so the um, Antarctica is a dead... There are some parts of Antarctica where it hasn't rained for 15 million years. <laughs> so, what, 15 million years? Yeah, so if you want to go to a place wow. where it doesn't rain... Antarctica. Antarctica. It's a bit tricky to get there, to be fair. It is. You have to go down from Chile and Argentina, I think, to get down there. Mm. And it costs about 10,000 euros to, to head down there. It's pretty expensive. To just. And then what do you do in Antarctica? Antarctica? Well, you make some penguins. If you boil them, you turn them into Guinness. Uh, is that what you do with penguins? Uh, or have what? I misread that? Is that maybe its own misconception? <laughs> that's, I think that's... I don't know if that's a misconception or just a mental illness. <laughs> you boil yeah. penguins and turn them to Guinness. Yeah, because the white stuff floats to the top. Oh, God. Yeah. No, it's, no, I don't know. It's just I'm sorry. Up- I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I'm sorry. That was my fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have let him get away with it. No. But um, there was saying, one more thing very interesting quickly. There, was, there are two types of um, plants that grow in the in the in antarctica and they are the antarctic hair grass and the antarctic pearl wart i don't believe you it's very true <laughs> I'm refusing yeah. to believe this they they are on the um, really? the south orkney islands uh, and the south shetland islands uh, uh, <laughs> even more miserable than the real orkney and real <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah exactly there's Jesus. no scottish people in these ones <laughs> not even they want to go there wow yeah but wow. there are two plants that grow there and there's usually okay. some type of worm that lives there as well but but how do they grow if it's so dry um they uh, that unfortunately i don't actually know but uh-huh. i think it's uh, my hunch would be it's at the coastline and there's some sort ah, of nutrients of there that would allow them to grow yeah like but the rest spring. of antarctica is pretty much just white windy and a couple of german scientists probably <laughs> british scientists who lived there for half the year 
I thought, I thought you were describing me after Christmas dinner for a second now, white and windy. But <laughs> too many scientists don't live inside me, you'll be very glad to hear. But they would come out of interesting data, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so does a desert have to be on Earth? Because there's no... Well, it doesn't rain, rain in space, does it? No, but... Well, well, it does rain on some planets, just not water. Like acid, or is sort of yeah. And I so there's Saturn has uh, there's some um some some on Saturn was it mm-hmm. Jupiter's moons? It has lots of um sort of acidic weird mm-hmm. rain. I think it might be Io's got methane. Yeah, it might rain. be methane. That's what I'm Something thinking like of. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to you don't you don't want to be caught out of an umbrella there. <laughs> no, that's a weekend gone badly wrong. <laughs> yeah, but could also a weekend gone well if you've managed to get that far out the solar system. True, that is fast travelling. It's <laughs> very quick for a weekend. Yeah, I can barely get to Düsseldorf for a weekend. <laughs> we must tell the listeners we live we live in West Germany. Just to, yeah, to be that clear, that he's not just picking random <laughs> European cities. No, no, cool. Yeah, so that's misconception corner. Excellent. Do we have a jingle for it? Um, well, whatever whatever the jingle is, are about to hear it right now. Let me lure you out of Misconception Corner and into Gap Filling Alley, which is, that is not a place you want to be caught. That is, no, that's smooth. That's very smooth. Next to, yeah. Um, where's the weirdest place you've ever seen an animal? The weirdest place I've ever seen an animal? Yeah. Oh, I don't know, my beard? Small <laughs> <laughs> animal maybe? No. That was... What animals do you get in your beard? Well, do you count insects as animals? Uh, we need a biology teacher in here. Yeah, we haven't got uh, one. I think technically they're insects. Okay, so the, no. So the, the weirdest place, I um, just recollecting, I probably have seen dogs swim too far out on the ocean before. That's a weird place to see an animal. That is. Yeah. It's quite disconcerting. It is quite disconcerting. And Keep it's it like. a problem with the owner, I think. Yeah. Well, it could be a wild dog, I suppose. Could be a wild dog. But if, <laughs> but if they've got a leash on, that probably isn't a wild dog. Wild dog of the ocean, a.k.a. a seal. Oh, yes. Um, what about in court? <laughs> what, is it the judge? <laughs> no, it's the uh, convicted. We're going back to... <laughs> yeah. Wait a minute. I, didn't yeah. know, I know there are animal welfare rights and people can, can get in trouble for being cruel to animals, but you can, can animals them. get in trouble being cruel to humans or each other? Boy, can they? Yeah. <laughs> We're going back to medieval France, 1457, in a town called Sevigny. And, uh, oh, it's getting all true crime over here. Wow. A decapitated corpse of a five-year-old child is found bloody and gored in the streets. Medieval Europe sounds terrible. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Pretty weird place. Everything smells like poo because nobody washes. Everything's covered in mud <laughs> because there's mud everywhere. Um, and pigs roaming the streets just mauling kids left, right and centre. So is there... This anarchy. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, is there any like is there any sort of upper echelons of like, you know, class at all in these? Yeah, there is, yeah, for sure. And I mean this is kind of the point of of what happens in Sevigny that um so a, a pig is found covered in blood with her six little a sow with her six little piglings and they're all covered in blood as well and they're kind of mauling this corpse of this child which keep it light. <laughs> <laughs> New way to my fact. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, um, but what you would naturally expect would be that we just kill the pig immediately. Just kill the pig because it's a dangerous pig. I mean, that's what happens with dogs that, that attack children. They get destroyed, is the euphemism. Um, but no, 
They no, arrested the pig. They re- did they put handcuffs on it? I hope they did. <laughs> handcuffs, please. <laughs> oh, sorry. Come yeah, on. of course, the handcuffs. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's the first. Is that why they call police from pigs? <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's yeah. exactly um, why. <laughs> so, little piggy, who is not named, unfortunately. We don't know Really? The name no name? Pig. No. Um, oh. But piggy's arrested and put on trial along with the six, sow- uh, six piglings. Piglings? Piglets. Piglets. And the owner as well. The owner's arrested too, because obviously. And because this is medieval France, they go through a proper full trial. There are two lawyers for the prosecution, which is a, just a brilliant payday. And then there's one lawyer for the defence. <laughs> which is not as good a payday. No, how's you... All right, don't tell me if you did it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I said I don't want to know if you did it or not. <laughs> did this lawyer, did they choose this lawyer based on the fact that he could speak pig? Because it's important. It's important. It is important. You want to be able to represent your client as well as possible. Absolutely. And make sure they don't go about telling porkies. No, oh, very good. And that's two. Uh, add into that, there are witnesses as well. We've got nine witnesses that were named. Are some of them pigs? None of them are pigs, no. See, I think that's unfair on, the, on up, the pig. Isn't it? Absolute stitch up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, they put the pig on trial and they accuse it. And in the court documents, it says that the pig was especially poorly behaved because they got the pig up in the court. And I like to imagine it with his little trotters on the witness stand. Yeah. Just dear listener, Will has put his hands have, of course, put uh, as my if they're trotters. trotters. Yeah, they're looking very good. Thank you. <laughs> I prepared them specially. Um, yeah, and like it's a pig, it doesn't speak English. So when the when the judge doesn't speak going, anything, <laughs> no, true or French grunts rudimentarily. Is it in France? It is in France. It doesn't speak English no, or French. Or French. <laughs> it's not even monolingual. It's a lingual. Um, and yeah, the, in the in the court documents, it says over and over again, pig starts misbehaving. Pig poos in the court. Pig starts grunting. But it's okay with poos in the court, but it's always poo everywhere in medieval times. Exactly. So <laughs> it's if matter. anything, yeah. It's helping. Probably, probably the jury are pooing in there and the court as well. <laughs> Hang on, not everyone's incontinent. It's not. <laughs> Although actually, the water would... Mm, yeah, all right, maybe everyone was incontinent. Maybe just yeah, yeah just piles of poo everywhere and people can't control it. Is that Pretty sounds much. like medieval times. More or less. More or less. Yes. Yeah. It just sounds like an awful place to live. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, death is right around the corner. But I think that's what's going on with, with this because they they find the pig guilty because... I mean, it was found guilty. Bang to right. Terrible lawyer. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, like, your client's covered in blood mauling the corpse of a five-year-old child. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> bang to right. They find the owner guilty, but not of murder. They find him guilty of negligence. Ah, that well, sense. that would make more sense then. Yeah. Like, yeah, but because... The, Surely the owner is, is the real per- so is the real problem here. Yeah, you would think, but that's not how they saw it at all. They saw it as the pig was the problem. It's like a pig has. They're assuming the pig has a conscience here. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what I don't understand about this mm. is why not only one or two people think they should arrest the pig, but for everyone to go, oh yeah, we should arrest the pig. Everyone to go, yeah, needs to be done. It's important because the pig did it. Wouldn't it be absolutely mental if this wasn't an isolated case? You're, it's really? not an isolated case There's at all. More? There are loads. Yeah. So animals being arrested. The, um, the sentence for this pig, by the way, is it was hanged from its hooves. 
Um, and that's, that's awful. Surrounded by other criminals as well. Oh, Not really? More pigs? Criminals. No, human this time. It wasn't taken to a slaughterhouse. No. Okay, so they didn't like serve it up. As a warning for other pigs. Oh, right. <laughs> the, yeah. um, the piglets got off, though. You'll be glad to hear that. Oh, I'm pleased yeah. to hear that, yeah. But no, there were um, cases of cockerels being tried for witchcraft. What? Because they laid eggs, and male chickens shouldn't be able to lay eggs. There's been a mistake somewhere there. Witchcraft. Oh, that's, oh of course. Yeah. Bang to rights. Yes. Um, <laughs> locusts for trespassing. <laughs> Just good. Isn't that what they do? Yep. <laughs> yep How do you arrest a locust? <laughs> with difficulty. Um, personal favourite, horses for sodomy. <laughs> wow, there's a lot. Of... <laughs> Unfortunately, we, it wasn't passed down with whom, nor... In what configuration? If right. You catch my drift. So, they, yeah. okay. so I'll leave that up to your imagination. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing, thing with that one is there's. <laughs> I, I just that's, I, the, 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 that's come from a rumor. Someone's <laughs> gone. Something that horse has been up to no good. Did that rumor spread among the horses? Did the victim say that horse just did that? Because I think that's more of the victim's problem. Yeah. If they've got into that situation where oh, they've yeah. been on the end of horse sodomy. Unless they were on, unless the horse was on the end, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, we don't know who was Batman and who was Robin. Yeah, well, that's true. Always, oh, if, if the horse has been arrested after being sodomized, now he's had a terrible. That's an terrible awful. turn of events. Yeah, yeah. I I saw that. I didn't have. Um, I've got one more thing to talk about, but I just off the top of my head, I saw another thing where someone, uh, a sixteen-year-old boy, was arrested in um, New England in about sixteen hundred for having intimate relations with sheep and he was going to be executed but to rub it in they executed every single sheep that he stumped before they then killed oh, him oh that's gotta be so that's, cruel that's really harsh that's horrible that's taken everyone down with you exactly but poor guy uh, poor man. but there's another case from france as well all of these why is it all in france what's it in france yeah, it's the french you gotta love them they're just mental they, gotta love the they're french. so eccentric they are and and speaking of which, I, I watched a video this week of. Um, do you know who Alexander Dugin is? No, yeah, I don't so know. So he's that. Uh, a basically fascist philosopher from Russia. Okay. Who he wrote about thirty books, um, some of which are super influential in Russia. They're studied at the um, at the uh, military college, and and he has the ear of Putin apparently. But I watched a. a debate between him and Bernard-Henri Lévy, who's one of the leading French philosophers, about 75 years old. Um, but he is the most French man you could possibly imagine. Okay. Like, throughout the whole of the, the uh, debate, he's just stood there with the most perfectly manicured hair, of disgustingly course. handsome, even though he's 75 years old. Of course. Shirt unbuttoned below his sternum. He's going, oh. you are Nazi, you are Nazi. <laughs> It's, I love and, and it's just like a heartthrob for everyone. Completely, yeah. He's on his third marriage, and all of them have been actresses. I see. Like, well, you, it's the French, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. I was, I was actually, I was gonna. When you say he's he's a hundred percent proper French, I was gonna go up and say, what does he smell? Completely smell of garlic. But I think that's a very bad generalization <laughs> to make for the whole French population. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's more the kind of he's more the suave kind of French. I mean, I and just look at their presidents. Um, current president married his teacher, who he met when he was fifteen and she was thirty-eight. That is, that's very French. French, yes. Previous Francois Hollande got in big trouble for visiting his mistress on a moped, which is just very French. <laughs> and then the previous one, Nicolas Sarkozy, married um, Calabruni, who went out with Mick Jagger for about ten years. Oh wow! They're just so French. That is. 
I mean, to, and they're, they're the kind of people that have wine and smoke at lunchtimes and then just don't do any work, really. Drink tiny, tiny cups of coffee. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. actually genuinely read philosophy books. I'm coming around to the French a lot more. You've got to love it. I was against the French for a while. And I didn't want to be French ever. But now you're talking about See, their the, lifestyle, the lavish. Thing. They're pretty cool. We English are just so self-conscious that we couldn't possibly drink a tiny cup of coffee because it just looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. But also, I don't imagine the French are very prudish either. Oh, no. And the Brits are yeah. very prudish. Yeah. Like, have you ever been to a sauna in Germany? I have. How do you find it? See, um, I don't know. Maybe I, I break the mould slightly. I don't really care that I'm walking around naked okay. in, in, a, in a German sauna because the Germans love it. They're, That's the thing. They have, I mean, they get everything out and they show it. I mm. mean, they, they don't care. They do not care. No. no. But the, you know when the Brits are there, though, because they have the towels. Because <laughs> they have the towels and the swimming trunks. Yeah. yeah. I assume that you've been to a sauna. I have, yeah. And I, I genuinely felt a little bit, bit of my Englishness just kind of evaporate <laughs> off in the sauna. Into Europeanness. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> just half the towel comes open, the other half the towel comes open. Yeah. And... Ich bin echt europäisch. Genau. Yeah. <laughs> that, was our, that was our multilinguistic <laughs> section, by the that way. That was. That, let's apply for EU grants now. But I've got yeah. one more, which was rats. Rats on trial as well. Rats on trial. Yes. So back in France, of course, different part of France called Autun this time, which was a little bit further down. And, south. Uh, kind of east of the centre of France, so not okay. all the way down in the south, which is relevant. And what happens is they've been destroying property because they're rats. They well, that's what stuff. they do. That's what they do. So the church puts them on trial because it's property owned by the church, and they're represented by a guy called Bartolome Bar. I've got. I paid for a degree in French. I'm going to get this right. <laughs> they're represented by a guy called Bartolome Chassonet, who good. thinks he kind of sees this as an opportunity of I'm going to make my name here. I'm going to stamp my mark on the legal history books by representing rats. So. He turns up to court and the bishop's vicar who's putting on the trial says, where are the rats? They've got to come because they've been mm. summoned. And Chastenay, who I just imagine is either the most irritating or the most brilliant person ever, says, well, hang on a minute. You only posted summons for these rats in the town, but the rats don't live in the town. They live outside of the town. So how can they possibly read your summons if you haven't posted them around? That's a really good point. It is, except... The bishop's vicar doesn't point out that they are rats. Well, and they do not read. But they also have addresses or have addresses, postcodes or no, anything. You can't send the bailiff round. No. no. <laughs> so the bishop's vicar, who I think must be dense, he must very, have a couple of screws yes. loose, says, "Oh yeah, good point." <laughs> This Sunday. <laughs> That's a very good point. We didn't post summons, so they do. Yeah. They, at the end of the church service, when they have kind of notices for the parish, they say, and any rats in the diocese must turn up to Otan to yeah. be brought on trial by this date. They, well, and with that notice, they will be there. Yes. They have to be. Yes. You know. And I hope that there were at least some priests who thought they had to translate it. <laughs> into rat congratulations to Jeanette and Michelle for the birth of their child and <laughs> yeah I don't know how you describe that <laughs> um, so time runs out obviously the rats don't turn up and so the bishop's vicar says alright I call the court to order there's no rats um, Monsieur Chassonet comes up with his second coup de grace which he says well hang on a minute you wouldn't invite, you wouldn't summon someone to court if you know that their being there would put their life in danger, would you? No. No, that's fair no, enough. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, of course. Well, how are the rats going to turn up to Otan 
oh. when the town's full of cats. Oh. You need to round up every single cat in the town. There's a phrase mm-hmm. <laughs> called, it's like herding cats. Yes, exactly. Yes. So that's a tricky job. It is. It is. <laughs> and I just imagine Chastanet sits down, takes a sip of tiny coffee, and the smuggest look on his face possible, because obviously they can't. But the bishop's vicar doesn't go, can you just not? <laughs> Instead, he says, oh, yeah, good point. A good point, of <laughs> good course. Point. Good point. Fine, let's round up all the cats, yeah. uh, which they never do. And well, they well, never well, have well, a third they, trial day. I they would still be doing it to this day. Exactly. It's impossible. And because that's perpetual, because... Yeah. You know, you would round up enough, but the ones you didn't round up would have more cats of themselves, and more cats and kittens will come, and then they would just get out of control. It would just, it would be crazy. So no. they just never have the third trial day. So rats get off completely scot free. That, oh, that's unfair. That unjust is, is, it? My, is my full opinion on that. I don't know. Power to the rat people. <laughs> Power to the ratatas. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the question is why. Um, yes. And a couple, there's a couple of different theories. First one: money. You make money off court. Like, okay. lawyers mm-hmm. make money, judges make money, everyone makes money. But the law courts at this point in time are held by either the church or the local lord. There is no central legal system. And so nobody's actually making any money off it. So right. it can't be money. So it can't be money. Could be a deterrent for the pig one, deterring the owner from leaving his pigs to go wild. Oh, I see. So if you blame the pig, you can't blame the owner? Yeah. Is that kind of what that means kind there? Of, but then why would you put the rats on trial? Rats do not have owners. No. So, so that's just, yeah. That I does. think it's more subtle than that. I think it's the idea we had at the beginning, that the medieval period is, the, the line between civilization and chaos is so thin during oh, the medieval wow. period. It's a blurred line between humans and non-humans. Mm, so how do you stamp your authority on it? Everything oh. has to go through some kind of process of order so that if, if there is a chaotic happening where a kid gets mauled by a pig, then we have to make it not chaotic by bringing it into the realm of civilization. Oh, my goodness. So we apply our order of human beingness to it. So I, what, so what I find so surprising about this is that there needs to be a differentiation between humans and animals mm. and this is how we are going to achieve it mm-hmm. like that's nuts to think mm-hmm. that like it's very obvious to me and you hopefully as a human being not like i hope you're a human being like <laughs> kind of <laughs> but the fact that i know what an animal is and mm. i know that therefore that's a different thing entirely it's not a human we've pulled ourselves out of the food chain and mm. then is, is that is yeah except see I, I have opinions on this and as you well know i'm a vegetarian and have been for a long time um, yes my thinking on this is yes we have pulled ourselves out of the food chain but i mean the best way of summing it up is is from the bible and i'm not a christian but in the bible it says man has dominion over the animals which means okay. they are the animal's lord or or they are the animal's father and if you've got a father that strings up 16 billion chickens a year in order to have like a chicken nugget that you're probably going to eat two of and then chuck in the bin. That's not a very... No, there's not, yeah. It's not a fantastic way of doing things. So no, Of course not. So kind of blurring the line I can see, but then if that line is blurred, and it you, was blurred in the medieval period... Then I mean, pigs go to court. Then pigs have to go to court. If you're going to have cows in your home, yeah. which you will, because where else are you going to keep them? Yeah. Then they have to be subject to the laws of man as well. But does it work the other way around as well? So like, pigs come to court, do humans have to do animal things? God, we would be in trouble. Are we? <laughs> Like Nuremberg trials times by a million. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Ronald McDonald Ronald <laughs> shackled up in handcuffs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. me. 
So, so I, I like that idea because it, it's a it's a silly story. It's a very funny story. It's a story. really silly story. But it's also a very human story. There's I an mean, yes. What we do is we we impose order on the world around us. I mean, think of like Paradoilia, where you see faces and things. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, the house that looks like Hitler, for example. Yep. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen that. A house, a house that looks, that looks like, Hitler. like Hitler. Is there, a, is, there, is, there a, is there a Hitler that looks like a house? But then, I don't know if it works. <laughs> no, he was quite skinny, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was a vegetarian, wasn't he? He was a vegetarian, yes. Yeah. So he's not all bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably did it for some weird reasons, like... It, I don't actually know why he was a vegetarian, but I'm, I'm certain it must have something to do with racism because everything the Nazis do is racist right. at some level. He used to paint, didn't he, as well? Yeah, he's a terrible painter. Okay. Really boring. Why was he boring? Because his art's just... Re- I mean, if you... So he was a painter in Vienna at the turn of the century. And at the same time in Vienna, you've got Freud, you've got Klimt, yeah. you've got um, Strauss, you've got Lenin, you've got... Uh, I think Stalin was there for a bit, Trotsky... Pretty spicy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's like, I, I don't know, it's like Paris in the 1920s or something. It's, okay. It's the place to be. And in amongst all this incredible milieu of art and thought and creation, uh, you've got Hitler painting like crap postcards, essentially. They're just, there's no art to it. It's just boring. I see. He should have spent, a, well, he spent a lot of time, I assume, doing that when he probably, well, actually, yeah. probably took his time away from all the destruction he was probably doing, or he was doing elsewhere. Yeah, but then had he not, I mean, this is the thing, like, it, okay, if, if Hitler keeps on being an artist, does that mean that we don't have the Nazis? Absolutely not. No, that means we have a much worse version of the Nazis. There was, I was just watching a documentary about this yesterday because this is how I live my life. Fair enough, yeah. History documentaries whilst knitting. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> none of those are euphemisms. I don't even know no, what would be a euphemism for. I have no idea. No, but I'm knitting myself a pair of socks at the moment. Yeah. Um, going, yeah, into, the, going into summer, may I just... <laughs> well, winter comes round again. Everything's... Well, that is true, actually. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, there was a, a plot to assassinate Hitler by the British in, uh, I think it was 93 or uh, 43 or 44. 19, not 93. A little bit late. <laughs> kind of missed the boat there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they decided not to go through with it because they realised if you get rid of Hitler, then someone more competent takes over. And oh. Hitler made mistake after mistake after mistake. And that's exactly who you want in power. Exactly. Just you know. a bungling idiot. Yeah. Which... Which he was. So, no, Nazism's much bigger. I don't know how we got on that from pigs. But Isn't it what Napoleon once said? Never make, uh, never interrupt your opponent when he's making a mistake. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of came back to bite him in the bun with, bun with Russia. Pretty much. Yeah. So I've called my, my section of the geography um, gap filler. It's called Silent But Deadly. Yeah. But actually, uh, I suppose more of the question here is, if I was to, if you were to, I want you to describe to me um, what dangerous, dangerous waters would look like. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, neither silent, but definitely deadly. Yeah. I, so dangerous waters, big waves with rip currents, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never been caught in them, but my wife has, when we were off the coast of Capo Verde, they were kind of sort of terrifying. massive breakers. And I thought they yeah. were just having a good time because I didn't have my glasses on. I couldn't see anything. I just see them kind of, yay, good time. <laughs> yeah. And her dad, it was her and her sister, and her dad was like, 
Schrude, or whatever the Slovak equivalent of that is, sprinted <laughs> in and managed to like hoik both of them out. I see. Because yeah, um, riptides can be really dangerous at the coast because mm, you can mm-hmm. be unsuspecting and, mm-hmm. it just, and, it, and, and water is extremely powerful. Especially when it, well, I was about to say when it all works together. Of course it works together. When there's a lot of it, <laughs> it can be extremely powerful. But um, this one, the most dangerous body of water in the world, is actually a little bit closer to home and is in England, surprisingly. Mm. Were you aware of this? Because there is a place called the Strid, and it's Strid. in near Bolton Abbey in North Yorkshire. Huh. And it is in the upper course of the, of the, of the river. It's called the Wharf. And it's at the upper course of the river, and it's when um, we have a body of the upper course of so the upper course of the river. We have uh, what they call vertical erosion. So that means the water, when it erodes, it goes downwards rather than lateral, where it goes horizontal. So you get these kind of deep valleys that exist in, in the river. And as they start to erode, they, they start to go downwards and downwards, and they create potholes. And uh, when you have this type of erosion, where the, the the pebbles start to bash against the floor, and they create massive potholes, and they make these little underground caves. But there is this uh, part of this river where it's doing that, but it also flows over a very specific type of geology, which is harder, hard, um, softer rock, sorry. And then it goes over harder rock again, and the river effectively turns on its side. Yeah, turn, a river okay. that turns on its side and creates an underground waterfall that no one can see. Wow. And then uh, about 50 metres later, mm. it goes into the, the, to the middle section of the river, which is usually a little bit wider, and that's where we like to start to see meanders and, and so on. But this, this, this wow. speci- specific section of the river, which is about maybe 50 metres in length, is just like a rocky outcrop. Mm-hmm. And the, and the river width itself at this point, as it goes into it, is maybe about eight feet wide. Maybe to eight to two. You oh, could wow. jump across it. So that's like as tall as I am. Yeah, so it's exactly. <laughs> Just about. Just about. <laughs> but the, the thing is, I, I say it's silent but deadly, is because... Mm. The way that it's the way that the water is flowing, on the surface, it just looks like a slow flowing river that you could easily oh. just dip into and um, and just swim around that it quite maybe quite fun because it does move obviously slowly mm. forwards. You could get like a little dinghy and go down this river. But actually, about a foot underneath, the water is mental. Uh-huh. And it is just going vertical erosion and just going through the underground cave system, which you cannot see oh, on the wow. surface. And it just pulls you straight and down. And it just not only does it pull you straight down, it pulls you straight down at speed, like being hoiked. <laughs> just wow. absolutely pulled. Like, a, like in the rapture, where they, the other way, for example, <laughs> they pull you out your clothes, something uh-huh. like that. It would just drag you down. Just yanks straight down to the watery hell. And there are some stories of where this has happened. So there, there, there are some signs, because it's a hiking route as well, apart this apart through Bolton Abbey that you can go by. And there are these signs that in, in, in this area that say, do not approach the river, it's slippery, and if you fall in, the fatality rate is 100%. Wow. So it's insane. And what wow. happened? There's and there have been some stories of people, um, both in history and in modern times, mm. have walked and fallen into this. And there have been stories that people have gone into it, and then as they've come out to the end of the river in the middle section of the river, they have been unrecognisable because oh, they have wow. been churned up so much by all the underground caves that have been sort of like carved out for all of this rapids and, and potholes that have been created under this rocky sort of landscape within this area. So it's like when Wiley Coyote gets pulled into like a big Acme factory machine or something, gets pretty, hammered and beaten and... Pretty much, but the difference there is he's also drowning. And drowning. <laughs> so it's the full whack. 
quite literally it's the if you it's a way to go like (laughs) but there there is there is some interest so there's um um there's some interesting stories so uh there have been some modern um fatalities there there's a really sad Mm. story but also before i get to that there there, this this particular body of water has been um described by williams wordsworth Uh and he's written a poem about it and Mm. it's called the force of prayer and I want to read you like the section of it, kind mm. of as he describes a young boy's journey to this part of the river. And he says, and now I just want to say one thing, reading poetry from William Wordsworth, I might botch it slightly because <laughs> it's a bit weird just to read. Mm-hmm. But he says, and what may now forbid that he perhaps the hundredth time shall cross, uh, bound across the strid? He sprang in glee for what cared he that the river was strong and the rocks were steep? And there's a question mark. The rocks were mm. steep. <laughs> the boy is in the arms of a wharf a sh- and strangled by a merciless force. For nevermore was young Ramilly seen till he rose a lifeless corpse. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so you, so you get a picture of maybe yeah. what it was like to fall in as a young boy. Absolutely. In- no, I can, you can imagine someone just leaping over it time after time doesn't matter well this is the thing it's not very wide because not only is it incredibly dangerous mm. it looks like nothing it's mm. just a w- slow moving water and also it's jumpable mm. this is the thing people jump over it and and if you didn't know like it's one of those some places i imagine to go with my sister for example she just want to push me in as a joke like but she also murder me at the same time <laughs> pretty good joke it is a pretty good joke yeah um yeah. <laughs> well yeah wow. maybe uh, yeah but it was a hell of a way to go what a journey that would be you yeah. wouldn't know much about it i don't think it just pulls you straight under but it's it's pretty rapid but there has been a story um mm. And uh, it was in 2000, I think, in seven, 2006, uh, there was um, a, some newlyweds. So already it's quite a tragic story oh already. <laughs> oh, God. They're on their honeymoon in the UK. And they went That's through... That's also tragic. It's also tragic. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. Mm-hmm. There is a part of this story I, I need to discuss because mm. there's something I'm not quite sure about. Okay. But it's um, these two, um, two newlyweds, 25, 27-year-olds, they went for a, a walk around this area. That's the last time they were seen where they mm. went out for a hike or for a stroll around Bolton Abbey. And um, and then they never came back, mm. and their bodies were never found until about a month and a half later. Mm-hmm. And someone found, like, as as described, human remains, which is always a disgusting way to, to to have in the newspaper, or whatever. Um, but and they they said there was no foul play involved, and the likelihood is that they just either got too close, thought it was un, thought it was safe, or slipped in. Mm-hmm. But that's both of them. So one's gone in. And one's gone in after them, yeah. either to save or to join. I don't yeah. like. <laughs> I don't know what one that would be. Yeah. But there's a point. There's a spokesperson here, or someone that kind of witnessed something. And um, spokesperson for well, <laughs> for the for, the water for did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah, we take the water to court. <laughs> <laughs> the water is on trial. <laughs> Be a water lawyer. Yeah, that doesn't. Um, yeah. Can I'm you speak able. water? Uh, <laughs> I'm not proud of myself. I'm not proud of myself. I'm sorry, people. But um, so this is um, this is Mr. Thomas of of Pembroke Dock in in Pembrokeshire. Said the water, the level, speed, and turbulence of the water looked uh, like flood water. So what happened was that in this, this, it had flooded in a very quick time. The water famously rises very quickly when it floods here, and so it can really catch you very Mm. uh, unaware. Um, and it said it rose in a matter of feet in seconds. Uh, I went to the water's edge, and just as I got there, I saw a man's body, who I now know to be Barry, who was the male of this of this uh, newlywed, 
pop out of the water. Wow. It was quite, it was quite you know. Jesus. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> whoop, like this. And he said, the face popped up towards me. Oh, no. <laughs> and within a matter of seconds, it disappeared. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it was it's pretty like... That's the most terrifying thing I can <laughs> imagine. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, so he saw this the male of this of this couple where his head popped up. Um and did he say that this was like a month later? Yeah, so this was, no, this was, but this is, this, no, this, and you're hitting the point here. Mm. This is at the time. So he's seen this. Well, that's normal. <laughs> he's seen this happen. He's Not gone, report oh, to the someone's fallen into the, the street. Mm. We, I know that's dangerous. Oh, his head's popped up. It probably looks quite lifeless. Or oh, he's alive. He really is injured. Mm. Oh, see ya. Bye. <laughs> yeah, bye. And I'll just forget about it. I'll tell, talk about it in the tabloids later. You know, Have a, have a nice walk there, Mr. <laughs> Thomas. Absolutely nothing noteworthy whatsoever. No, didn't see a single thing. No. And this is... And that's a bit I can't get my head around. So maybe, just so there's a slight chance, is there foul play? <laughs> Did he push them in? I mean, I can think of three explanations. So the first one is foul play. He pushed them in. Yeah. The second one is 100% fatality. He just thought, there's nothing I well, can do. Well, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, just yeah. let it wash down. Someone else will find it. But then in which case, just call the police. Mm. Number three is that he was on some extraordinarily powerful hallucinations. Yes. And just thought, okay, it's That's, that time of the trip, I guess. Yeah, it's that time. Of, yeah. 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 It's time for corpses to appear out of the water. Yeah. And it, but, but then, yeah, then came to his senses later and talked about it in the paper. And, yeah. they, and it just by coincidence. Now it turns out, I wasn't actually <laughs> longed off my face. That was a corpse. <laughs> Whoopsie doo. Whoopsie daisy. Uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it, it is a really, a really tragic, uh, tragic that story. horrible. Yeah, it's, it's nasty. But, I mean, um, the, the only kind of solace is that at least like one of them didn't have to survive looking for that person. Oh, that would be awful, yes. wouldn't it? Yeah, no, that would, really be, would be terrible. They've both gone together. Yeah. yeah. Do you but, ever watch videos of people on YouTube going down um, like cave holes and into that kind of thing? I have done. There's a, yeah. there's, it's terrifying. Yeah. There are people that do like bungee jump or like skydive into some of them. They're so deep. Mm. I've said, I don't know what sky, is that skydiving? I don't really know. Well, I guess you're diving from the sky. That I suppose sense. so, yeah. yeah. Underground dive. But yeah, it is terrifying what yeah. they do. Um, there have been some horrible stories. There's one, I think, in Nevada where some guy went down into, uh, into a cave system that was unventured mm. and he got wedged and stuck upside down. Oh, and uh, they genuinely couldn't get him out. So the only way, so they kept, they, and they couldn't even keep him alive after a while because it was dangerous mm. for other people to go in. Mm. So they were like, "Are we just going to have to leave you there?" And that's it. And he, and obviously perished. All right, fine, uh, fair and enough. Then, and then I would wave. But. Yeah, <laughs> that's quite tricky. I, I'm wiggling my toes. <laughs> that's me waving. And then, um, and then they blocked the cave off, so I went down there again. Oh come on! Yeah, so. Yeah, Jesus. just shut it off. That was in, I think it's in Nevada that happened. Yeah, wow. but it, but it's it's terrifying. It's, yeah. it's spelunking. Spelunking. I think. Yeah, yeah, they call I, it. I will occasionally watch a video just to just to reassert my own lifestyle choices. <laughs> yes, to I do appreciate you. Watching. You are not built for spelunking. No, absolutely not. And watching Nazi documentaries whilst knitting isn't the most adrenaline kind of consuming way of spending my life no but you're safe but i'm not I'm never getting stuck upside down anywhere no absolutely absolutely but it's, yeah. there is um there was one thing I, I've, I've gone uh, spelunking iceland before have you uh, for through the cave uh, through the really? the volcanic um activity as like the lava's gone underground and carved out all these caves mm. and this may sound really stupid to say this now but 
when you're when we're in the caves and you turn off all your lights, it's, it sounds really stupid for me to say it is the darkest place I've ever visited. But like genuinely, mm-hmm. when there is an absolute absence of light, mm. it is extraordinarily eerie and it's crazy. And we all went silent, and you li- it does feel like you could be dead mm-hmm. because there literally is just, just nothing, nothing, just thought. Mm. You know, the only thing keeping me alive was uh, I think, therefore I am kind of idea. <laughs> that literally mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you could easily turn to a philosopher if you're stuck in a cave for a few days. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of how Descartes came up with that, with Cogito Ergo Sum. He just locked himself in a like cabin for four days staring at the fire and then <laughs> emerged, I think, therefore I am. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's maybe what no, it I is I stink, then. therefore I am. <laughs> <laughs> Wash, mate. Oh. French people. Gotta love him. Yeah. Was he French? Yeah. yeah. Or Cant, Cant, I suppose, Cant. would be. Yeah. Mm. He's a very risky surname. It is. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. If he was, is he from Kent? <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to hear about some other deadly water speaking about Iceland? May as well. Yeah. So there is, Terrify me. <laughs> so there is one uh, in Dominica called the Boiling Lake. Okay. And it's a lake that boils at 90 to 100 degrees Celsius because obviously it's above volcanic uh, activity and mm. loads of volcanoes. But it's um, one of the best things is that I read whilst reading this is that hikers and hike, hike guides uh, are advised against swimming in the lake. They advise against swimming in the lake. Now, And why would that be? Wait, wait, that, <laughs> of course. But it's not forbidden. Ah. <laughs> That's the point I'm making here. Right. So, so you go on a hike, uh, like, yeah, you can, uh, do, do, do you want to swim in the lake? No. I wouldn't recommend it. Wouldn't recommend it. I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> You're not going to stop you, though. If you go in there, I'm not coming in after you. Mm. Yeah, so that's, I thought that was quite, there are other two deadly waters I want to talk about, though. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Boiling Lake, that's quite obvious. Yeah. There is one called um, Lake Natron in Tanzania. Okay. You may or may not have heard of this one. No. What this is, this is a river that kind of, as it flows, Mm. it ends in a lake, and because it's so hot, it evaporates. Okay. So as it evaporates, and what happens is, it obviously leaves a lot of salt behind, like the salt flats within um, Bolivia. Yeah. And then as that, um, obviously, so it's very high pH, but it's been known, there's some famous images where people have um, taken photographs of like, like decaying animal corpses which are oh, quite geez. unnerving. But it's been known that if birds who have fallen in the lake, they um, start to desiccate as they fly away. Oh, Just wow. fall apart because it's so strong. They the, crumble the, like in a weird sci-fi movie. Yeah. So they wow. go in and then they start flying away and they just go poof. Because uh-huh. <laughs> the salt is so strong and the acid is so strong. Wow. Yeah. Where, where do you say that is? In Namibia? It's in Tanzania. Tanzania, right. So Eastern Africa. Yeah, Eastern uh-huh. Africa. Because yeah. Natron, Natron or Natron, I can't remember what it's called. So uh, Lake Natron. Natron, okay. Yeah. That was used for mummification by the ancient Egyptians. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the salt that they would use to, to oh, kind wow. of... To help the mummification process. I think they would stuff the corpse with it to preserve it from the inside. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, so take all the organs out and stuff the corpse with nature, and I think that's how it works. That's also incredibly disgusting, yeah, that process. Horrible. I don't yeah. want that job. <laughs> <laughs> and there is one more. Um, like, this, is, this is incredible. So this is Lake... If you had a Lake Neos, it's in Cameroon. Mm-hmm. So this lake, what had happened was... So this lake is... It's volcanic again, um, but... Um, this at the bottom of this lake, incredible amounts of carbon dioxide was carbon monoxide at that point. It's, 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 mm-hmm. And what happened when there's an earthquake, it shakes the bottom of the lake, and carbon <laughs> carbon this is going. Yeah, carbon dioxide starts to seep to the top. Mm. Now carbon dioxide sinks in air around mm. us. Now 
The problem is, is that there was an earthquake in the night and there were two villages below this lake, one called Chasubum and one called Fang. And they lie just below about 2,000 people. When it, um, there was an, a minor earthquake at night. Hardly anyone could feel it. But in the next day, carbon dioxide had gone all over the village and suffocated oh, everyone. No. And not just, this is not just humans. 2,000 people were killed in this event. Yeah. Not just humans, all the pets and insects. Everything. Everything gone. And the only people that survived were the ones that happened to not be in their village mm. when that overnight, which mm -hmm. was about five people, I think. Mm -hmm. Must be terrified coming back wow. to that. Yeah, but absolutely just suffocated everyone. And I tell you, you love that though. All got, the plants. Oh, they were eating oh, up all the carbon dioxide. Oh, that would hey, be. Now is this a conspiracy? Oh my goodness. So that was the, was it the plant world coming back at us? Exactly. Did they shake the earth? Day of the Triffids. There's a really bad sci-fi book in there. There is somewhere. Yeah. Oh, and then they come back and eat all the humans and all the <laughs> remains and then they just grow. Yeah, take oh. over the world from Cameroon. Jesus. That's horrible. It's terrifying, isn't it? Except I mean, I, I, I genuinely get terrified anyway of having carbon monoxide poisoning anywhere I go. It's mm. often in the forefront of my mind every time we go somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but to have like, <laughs> to have like that is mm. like, but you wouldn't know anything about it though. No. Oh, that reminds me of a, of, a, of a Reddit post that I saw, which you may well have seen, where somebody, um, I can't remember which, which subreddit it was on, but he was complaining that somebody kept on leaving notes for him around the house, mm. um, really threatening notes, saying, mm -hmm. watch out, be careful. Um, someone's, like, something's happening. Yeah. Like that. And he didn't, he had no idea what was going on. And the first comment said, this is carbon monoxide, you're having carbon monoxide poisoning, you're leaving these notes to yourself, you don't remember it because you're being poisoned by carbon monoxide. That's incredible. Get out of the house and fix it as soon as possible. Oh, my God. And he did. That's exactly what it was. <gasps> How terrifying is that? My God, it's... Oh, that, oh that's yeah. mind-bendingly terrifying. So there you go, there's another thing for you to be frightened of. Oh, God, don't leave any post-it notes around <laughs> <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs>so we're in the final section of the podcast we're going to call it number time will number time number time so mm -hmm. the idea of this is that uh, each of us have a fact that is associated with a number mm -hmm. and uh, we need to try and work out what the the link is between the number and the clue and we're probably not going to be able to ever work it out but so is the idea then so we're working it out we're not just kind of flailing around well maybe we could try and work it out but okay. i'm sure i'll so have one stab at it and then and then maybe uh, you could. Drip. Should I give you some clues? Maybe because I've actually because on my notes I've got an extra clue. I've read extra clue. Okay, <laughs> just in case. Right. Because so and then you're really going to test funny me. Enough, so have I. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength here. So uh, Will's going to start us off, I think. Yes. Okay. So the topic I've, I've um, interpreted the idea of history quite loosely here, but sure why not? Okay. The topic is the Iliad and the Odyssey. <laughs> my God. And the number <laughs> is zero. Oh, Will, that's awful. I don't know anything about this. Like, is it maybe, um, is it maybe, I don't know how many pages. I know it's a book. How many pages is it? Is it has zero pages? No. <laughs> that's my... Uh, um, I mean, technically, it was originally an oral poem, so it wouldn't have been written down, but I'm not giving you that. You're not nope. giving me that. You don't get the biscuit. No, okay. Okay. that was my first guess. Can I have a? Do you have obviously have a yes. clue? Do you know what the Odyssey is about? Not really. Maybe okay. you, you could tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, it's I about can... a guy called Odysseus. Okay, and he travels all over the Mediterranean. He's trying to get home after the Trojan War. Right, and gods just keep on popping up left, right, and centre and making nuisance. But don't you hate when that happens? 
It's so annoying. It's really annoying. I know. Like, it should take you two weeks and ends up taking you ten years. I know. I've got some empathy for him there. Kidnapped by a witch and all your men get turned into pigs. And I oh. hate it when that happens. Um, okay, so he's travelling back on the sea. What colour is the sea? The sea is blue. How many times do you think in the Iliad and the Odyssey together <gasps> it mentions the word blue? Zero. Zero times. Oh, could I say something? I think I know something. Yes. Can I say something? I think I... Yeah. Like the... Maybe this is the wrong time period, but maybe you can help me here. The Romans didn't call the sky blue. Mm. They called it bronze. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, right? Agree. Yeah. Oh my God, I know something about history. Yeah, no, that's it. So in, in both the Iliad and the Odyssey, the sky is never called blue, it's called bronze. Oh, exactly. is that what it is? And the sea is called wine-coloured, or specifically wine. is um, oinops pontos. For the, Oinot pontos? Oinops pontos, yeah, that's my ancient Greek. That's going to test a pop filler. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, which means wine-eyed. Oin as in enology, people who study wine, and mm. ops as in optician. Optical. Oh. So it's wine-eyed sea. That's really cool. Which isn't even a description of colour, really. No, because doesn't wine... Well, what colour is wine then? Well, wine's kind of scarlet coloured, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Burgundy, funnily enough. Yeah. So this was discovered by a prime minister from Britain. What? William Gladstone, who as well as being... Four times Prime Minister, I think, during Queen Victoria's reign. Okay. Flipping loved him a bit of Homer. He just couldn't get enough. Not Simpson. Not Simpson, no. <laughs> hadn't been invented yet. Um, and he wrote a book about the Iliad, wrote many books about the Iliad and the Odyssey, and he pointed out they never mentioned this colour. And so a, a philologist, which is somebody who studies ancient texts, called Lazarus Geiger, which is a brilliant name. That's Lazarus a beautiful Geiger. Name. Um, he looked into this more and studied many, many ancient texts from many different cultures. And he realised almost none of them used the word blue. Okay. So it's not just a Roman and Greek thing. Because the, the original idea that people had was, hang on a minute, does that mean that their eyes aren't fully evolved? Do you okay. have to evolve different wavelengths? Right, I see. Okay. Well, they don't. But no, that's <laughs> not how it works. But with the wavelength theory, Geiger came across this idea that, well, he discovered that every culture has words for black and white. Black and white, every culture has them. Yeah. Most cultures have words for red. Some cultures have words for yellow. Fewer cultures have words for green. And very, very few, only more advanced cultures have words for blue, which mirrors the wavelength. The, I'm almost certainly going to get this wrong. No, the shortest wavelength is red. The longest yes. wavelength is blue. That's correct. That's why yes. the sky whiz we see is blue. Yeah. yeah. Except, and this is kind of the point that, that Geiger makes, is the sky actually blue? Well, or do we just interpret it as blue because we have the word for blue? I mean, if I'm looking at the sky over there now, it's actually kind of grey. It is kind of grey, you're right. Even though it's a beautiful sunny day here in Duisburg. Yeah, that's a really interesting point because sometimes you see the red is, is uh, at night. Mm. Um, no, you don't see the sun at night. Um, <laughs> How night works. Yes, yeah, got that one. No, but it, during in the morning or in dusk and dawn, they're the words I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> the Obviously, have red skies. I always thought it was because the light had a lot... Uh, of atmosphere to travel through mm, yeah. therefore you saw the wavelength of red because yeah. technically you could have the, it, it, you know the Doppler effect mm. we hear it a lot by the way in my apartment because we've got the firehouses here which is frightfully loud mm. but if the, theoretically it's possible to have the Doppler effect on colour Mm -hmm. As it goes past, you could have something that goes one side green and then it just changes to yellow as it shoots by because the wavelength changes as it accelerates away from you. Yeah, well, this is how you measure um, the gravitational pull of, of... This is how you find out whether or not there are planets on stars. Oh, yeah, of course. Because the, the gravitational pull 
affects the star. I see. And it wobbles the wavelength ever so slightly. Oh, this is physics now. This is it crazy. is physics. <laughs> this is well, it's all history, really. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so the, the, the thinking is, therefore, if you're not surrounded by anything that's blue, because blue flowers are pretty rare, blue yes. vegetables don't exist, blue meat really exist. I mean, if you look at your arm, you can see the outside of your veins and your arteries looks blue, but does it? It actually looks kind of greeny, and you could interpret it as green. Oh. So if the only blue things you see are the sky and the sea, well, the ski, the, the ski, <laughs> the sky is very often not blue, mm. and so is the sea. The sea's kind of a greeny tint, or can be grey, or yes. can be many, many colours. And so the thinking is that the colours that we perceive, the seven colours, Richard of York gave battle in vain, so red, orange, yellow, blue, green, indigo, violet, mm -hmm. are pigments. They're um, paint. Ah. And if you don't have blue pigment, which in the ancient world is extremely rare, only comes from one rock called lapis lazuli, which comes all the way from Afghanistan. Oh, my God. So all of the Egyptian kind of faience statues that are in blue originate from lapis lazuli from Afghanistan. Greeks don't have it yet. Romans don't really have it yet. So because they're not producing this pigment, they don't need a word for blue. They don't need a they word. They don't need a perception for blue. They oh, my goodness. It. But the Egyptians do have a word for blue because they have the They pigment. have the pigment. We make. Oh, mm. my goodness. So, all, so blue almost doesn't exist mm. if it wasn't for Egyptians and Afghanistan rocks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. And so the world that we perceive is the world that we perceive. Yeah. It's not the world external to our perception. This is now philosophy. This is philosophy. Which <laughs> You're again, is just history. Pretty much, but you're wearing blue. I am wearing blue. Am or I wearing I? blue? No, I'm not. I've got, I've got the rainbow you've on. You've got the rainbow on there. I've got the or rainbow. Do you? Or have I? Well, there is meant to be a, a blue <laughs> strand that's going down. <laughs> that's quite incredible. Yeah. My football team, my support plays in blue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you sure? Now I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it's a, maybe that's the reason why they're near the bottom of the table. They yeah. just no one can see them no when they pass the them. ball around. Who's that wine-eyed team? Over there? <laughs> So we'll have my uh, my number and my uh, my clue as well. So number my number time. is seventy five, mm -hmm. and the the clue is Tuvalu. Tuvalu seventy five. Is it the number of times you can say Tuvalu before it starts to mean nothing? But, yeah, that, that, that's a thing, isn't it? Are we going to say it seventy five times? <laughs> I wonder if the yeah, listener would appreciate that. Yeah, one can't get away with that kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know where Tuvalu is? Uh, it's in the Pacific, isn't it? It, it is in the Fiji Pacific. And and that yeah, it is yeah, it is. yeah. so um and uh, if i was to then so do you your 75 saying tuvalu that many times mm. is not the right answer by the way oh. although i do <laughs> do think it is true <laughs> it's not what i was looking for <laughs> no my extra clue if you'd like Picky. an extra clue yeah is um is environmental refugee okay now, Tuvalu isn't where Volcano went off recently, is it? It's not. You think of Vanuatu. Vanuatu. Vanuatu is what right. you're thinking of which there, is yeah. In, which is in the vicinity. It's in the vicinity. It's probably it's, still like thousands of miles away. Yeah, it's not. It's a stone, in, 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 in scale, a stone's throw away, respect of where we're sitting right now. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 75. So I'm guessing the number of ecological refugees from a particular event is 75. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. I can explain further. Yeah. You're pretty much, you're halfway there. Okay. So uh, Tuvalu, as we know, is made up of about um, 10 or 11, I think it's 11 islands. On their flag, they have a star for each island. It's a light blue colour, like the Fijian flag. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the problem they have is they have a problem of climate change and, and sea level rise. 
And uh, the sea level is, is significantly rising in the Pacific Islands. And these are the countries that are, are significantly affected um, by uh, w- that we're actually seeing in our lifetimes. Because a lot of a lot of this kind of... The IPCC, which is the International Panel of Climate Change, put these graphs up and they go, oh, if we have business as usual, we're going to see one metre of sea level rise in the future. Uh, but in 2100, when most of us will be dead by then. So it's quite hard to actually... Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> the world's going to be a hot and horrible place by then. But the, um, we actually see the effects of climate change happening on uh, island nations in the Pacific, such as Tuvalu. There are some other nations around the world which we see that. Bangladesh, for example, 50% of the population live, um, live one metre above sea level. Gee, 50%? 50%. And Bangladesh yeah. is not sparsely populated no it's pretty dense or in dakar yeah it's 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 a lot going on there um and most of the people that actually live on the water and grow rice under those little fields it's pretty it's it's horrible um and the other place that is more close to home is the netherlands but they've Mm. decided just to build boathouses and dikes everywhere um steady (laughs) well it's a key word we have to use (laughs) we've all spent a weekend in amsterdam exactly (laughs) seen a couple of dikes (laughs) but also but the um but actually it's the first um there's also is is very it's very close to say these are the first climate refugees and when we talk about Mm. climate refugees these are people having to move away because their land is becoming uninhabitable Mm -hmm. now it's not necessarily because their land is being flooded actually what it is is because as sea level is rising they're having to migrate further inland into their country therefore increasing the density of the population right so therefore it's becoming less desirable to live there and the land is becoming more expensive uh-huh. So that's so why people are now moving because they can't afford to live there oh, wow. as a result. So what this 75 is, is New Zealand have identified this mm. and they're going, oh shit, this is not their fault mm. that they're having to move. Because you need to also, there's a thing called climate injustice mm. where you get places like USA, United Kingdom, Germany to it as well, all these developed high-income country nations that have polluted the atmosphere and contributed heavily to sea level rise. Mm-hmm. Um but the countries that have the biggest impacts are the ones that have contributed the least. Mm. So they call it a climate injustice. So as a result, that New Zealand have identified there's a huge climate injustice here. And they've gone, okay, what we're going to do, not just for Tuvalu, but for all the Pacific Island nations, we are going to give 75 visa residents to uh, people of Tuvalu to come and move to New Zealand and settle. Uh-huh. So that's what that is. Right. However, it's quite contentious. There's 75. I bet. Because it's not that many. It's It's 38,000 people live in Tuvalu. Mm -hmm. So 75, they've tried to distribute it evenly across all the Pacific Island nations like Vanuatu and Tonga and and American Samoa. Mm -hmm. But um, Tuvalu were like, "Uh, that's not really a lot. It's a bus and a half. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, we can go there all at once. And that's really not much for us. So there's a a third of a plane. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe, well, I don't know if you've seen the runway on Tuvalu. Ah. Funafuti <laughs> is the capital, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, the runway is pretty much... Th- takes up 60% of that particular island. <laughs> <laughs> right. I see. So it's, 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 uh, it's pretty... Yeah, it's mm. um, runway d- dense, mm-hmm. I suppose you could describe it. Um, but yeah, then they're saying this isn't enough. And uh, even though it is a good gesture, and it is a good policy that New Zealand put in place maybe about five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago now, where it isn't enough. Um, so at the moment, they're, they're, they're discussing this and um, 
But they're arguing it's not enough. Already one-fifth of Tuvalu's population uh, of 12,000 have left their homes. One-fifth? Yeah, one-fifth. So 12,000 wow. Tuvaloons have left Tuvalu mm. to go and live in other Pacific Island nations, mm-hmm. like Kiribati, for example. Mm. Um, so that, but that causes problems there as well. Mm. And sea level rise isn't, isn't like... It's also happening there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have those problems. But places like New Zealand should be offering a lot more, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, that's their argument. But that's 75 are allowed to have visa work permits in New Zealand for, from specifically Tuvalu each year. Yeah. yeah, It's not great. No, but New Zealand are quite stingy with that kind of thing. Like my, um, my wife's cousin, uh, their family, half their family live in New Zealand. Mm. And my wife's from Slovakia. And the New Zealand government releases two visas to Slovakia every year for people to move there. That's insane. Two. And Slovakia is like five and a half million people. Like it's not wow. a small country particularly. Two. But um but that's pretty stingy. It Two is. Slovakians isn't a lot. It's not very many Slovakians. That isn't many I mean I can name way more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well you have a significant advantage. <laughs> I do have I an advantage say. there, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I think I can name two Slovakians. Yeah. yeah. I think I think as a, as, as a general human being, that's quite impressive. <laughs> uh, guess who they are? <laughs> Veronica Flint. Yep. And Marek Hamšík. Pretty much there. There we go. You got Excellent. it. Yeah, got it. They were the two I knew. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Gaps and Knowledge Podcast. You can find us on our socials, our Twitter, which is at Gaps Podcast. And also we're on YouTube at Gaps in Knowledge Podcast. And we've got an email address too, uh, which is gapsinknowledge at outlook.com. Don't sign us up for anything dodgy, please. I once got signed up by one of my pupils for the McDonald's newsletter, and I found no way to unsubscribe, um, which is a very good prank. <laughs> so, gapsinknowledge at outlook.com. And also on Facebook, if you just search for Gaps in Knowledge, then you'll find us there. Thank you very much for listening, and we look forward to uh, making the next one for you guys to listen to in two weeks' time. 